I'm Head of Psychology at the University of Law uh, and today's podcast I'm going to be talking to Dr Stephen Barnes on the topic of digital health and therapeutic games. Um, Stephen would you like to introduce yourself please? Sure, um, hi so I am Stephen Barnes, I work as a researcher at the Universidad S. So can you tell me your experience in this area? Sure. So as I was growing up, my dad was an electrician and really interested in computers and had taught himself how to build computers. So as a kid, I got surrounded by lots and lots of technology. Um, I studied psychology at university and was interested in a few areas of psychology for my studies. None of them really fully my thing at that point. But I was really interested in mental health, um, interventions for mental health, so mental health treatment. Um, access for mental health care and the inequalities in access to health care um, and also a little bit in cognitive psychology and social psychology so how our thinking and behavior gets affected by situations and the dynamics of certain situations and the way that we process information and how that gets shaped by our cognitive biases and attentional processes for a long time i was really interested in technology and how the way we interact with technology affects both our thoughts about certain situations and our behavioural reactions to them. And that's really what drew me originally to the broader field of cyber psychology, was combining these two interests of technology and psychology. I'm also okay. a gamer myself and have been since childhood. So that was always an area of personal interest. And then actually, Julie, it was you who introduced me to this idea of combining psychology technology and games and using digital games for educational or therapeutic purposes and I've been doing that for about seven years or so now. Why do you think games are important as a learning tool of a therapeutic intervention? Yeah so I've been really lucky to be involved in a, a, a number of projects now for digital healthcare and digital education so um, we worked on a project creating and evaluating a mobile therapeutic game for adolescent anxiety disorders um, I've also been involved in developing a prototype game to assist with adult well-being, which was developed with a charity during the pandemic. Um, it's currently being evaluated by a great young student psychologist called Jacob Gavin as part of his dissertation work. I'm currently working with colleagues at the University of Bolton and a couple of great student researchers, so Jacob and Michelle Granda Salazar, on a gamified educational tool designed to help trainee counsellors with learning and practising their risk assessment skills, which we're evaluating right now. And at my current university, we're just in the early stages of designing and developing a mobile application, which is aimed mainly at reducing maladaptive rumination based on rumination-focused CBT. So I've been really fortunate to work with some really great people and have the chance to work on a number of really cool, interesting digital health projects. Um, a big thanks to you for that, for introducing me to it. And a big thanks probably to, as well, to Andrew Williams, who was always willing to listen to the latest big idea at the Centre for Games Design and being willing to take on the task of making these things a reality. Um, well, it seems like you have got a lot of experience around this area and uh, it's good that you've been able to kind of carry that forward after your PhD and, and, and keep that kind of interest going. So why are games important as a learning tool, do you think, and for therapeutic intervention? Sure. So this might be quite a long answer. Is that OK? That's fine. <laughs> so there's a, couple of, 
a couple of important aspects really as to why games are this this really valuable tool for learning or why they might potentially be really good as a means for delivering um, treatments, therapeutic content. So I guess firstly, the first question to ask is probably why games? What makes games special and why are games a medium that as psychologists we might turn to as opposed to say delivering something on a website or using VR or something like this? Um, firstly, games are fun. So video games can be really entertaining. They're really rewarding for us to play. There's some good theoretical explanations too as to why games are really engaging. And the major one I, I keep coming back to is, is Ryan and Decci's self-determination theory. Not really a cyber psychology theory, but very applicable to games um, and a good explanation for how games motivate us. So it argues that our motivation is, is essentially derived from three things. So competency, Games are really good at making us feel competent and skilled by rewarding us for completing tasks um, or by collecting experience points, progressing through levels, unlocking items, etc. Really good at making us feel competent and like we're learning. Next is autonomy. So the freedom to do things as we like, even in games with really clear structures and narrative storylines, you can do this by giving people the freedom to go off and do their own thing for a while or complete the task or in an order that they desire, maybe. And the last one is relatedness. So making people feel connected to an environment. Games do this by using characters that we can like or dislike or form connections or relationships with. And we can do this with real people in massively multiplayer online games as well. So all of these things are games, things that games utilize um, to make us want to go back and use games again and again and again, because they're fulfilling. They tap into something that's really motivating. That really is, is why, why games are so important in this kind of area, because that repetition is a really important component of consolidating learning. It's a really important part of the therapeutic process too, making sure that people do engage and that also, equally importantly, they practice what they've learned during therapy later to prevent relapse. So that would be my first, my first kind of thing. The next two, I promise I'll be a bit quicker. Yeah, no, that's fine, and that's really interesting. So second is that games are really accessible. So there's a readiness of access now to the internet and our access to technology is it's expanded to this point where for a lot of people, maybe not all, but for a lot of people, they've got access to a device capable of connecting to the internet and running even rudimentary applications and games. So there's a platform for delivery there as well that makes games really accessible. Also, Technology is really impersonal sometimes or can be made to be really anonymous and really impersonal. So any content we deliver via games, say via smartphones or gaming devices, means we can try and sidestep some of the barriers that people might face when they're seeking out or they're trying to engage in psychological therapies. Um, things like expectations or perceptions of stigma, waiting lists, cost barriers, problems with accessing the help that you need because of availability or overly stretched healthcare systems. So games is this really accessible tool for helping people overcome some of those barriers. Thirdly, I guess most importantly, if, if you want to use games as a tool for learning and for therapeutic purposes, is that they actually work. And there's a really good body of evidence now that shows that games work in a number of areas of application so improving our visual spatial skills, improving our navigational skills can help with developing social skills. But in terms of more clinical applications, if we're going to talk about games for mental health in therapeutic intervention as well. So 
I'm thinking here of examples of work that maybe Julie we've done on the game for anxiety. Um, and there's a wealth of data now on games like Mind Life for Anxiety from the Netherlands or Sparks from the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Um, the work that was done in Barcelona in Spain for games as a complementary tool for CBT and bulimia nervosa. It's a real growing body of evidence to show that games can be effective even when you compare them to some of the gold standard in vivo treatments like CBT. No, it's really interesting because, uh, well, the reason, as you probably already know, the reason I got interested in this kind of area of digital um, technologies to support mental health was because often it's everything's viewed as negative. So games are often viewed as negative and contributing to people's, um, you know, mental health, negative mental health and, and, and well-being. But it's interesting that we can kind of flip that around and, and use these tools to support people, can't we? Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting point because obviously there's a lot of research into things like gaming addiction, which has now mm -hmm. found its way to the DSM-5. And that's not to say that gaming addiction and addictive issues around um, gaming technology are not a problem because clearly they are. However, there is this second side to technology. There is this, this notion of gaming for good or a positive technological intervention in that games might help to overcome some of those accessibility barriers and that they they have got good evidence behind them to show that they are capable of initiating really good significant clinical reductions in people's symptoms and of helping more people into the treatment system yeah and it can add reach can't it for, for certain groups such as maybe young people which i know you've looked into but any you've already touched on some of the risks was anything else in the, that listeners should know in terms of any risks towards because uh, you just mentioned the um, gaming disorder, internet gaming disorder, which, like you say, is being considered for the DSM-5 uh, for the next version as a as a as a mental health condition. Is there any other risks that we should know about? Sure. So it's it's important to remember that the idea of, of um, digital gaming and therapeutic gaming for mental health purposes is, relatively speaking, in its infancy. So there is a growing body of evidence now that shows games are really useful as therapeutic interventions and as learning tools. But there's a few things that maybe we should be mindful of when we're we're talking about them. So most people will probably be thinking of gaming addiction. Um, that's the first thing I put down in, in my notes when I was thinking about this. But I'm thinking more about some of the specific issues associated with the use of therapeutic games. And one of the things we've discussed and published a paper on recently is that at the moment, it can be quite difficult for people who might be users or potential users of games for health to know that the thing they're downloading from their app store or the game that they're playing online is actually a fully scientifically tested, empirically validated product, which has gone through rigorous evaluation, proven its efficacy, that it has no adverse side effects, and that it handles any client data that it's collecting and storing appropriately. And largely, I think, because, because the field of games for health and training has grown at such a rapid pace over a relatively short period of time, and in the absence of any regulatory body or legal framework which defines and codifies what a therapeutic or educational game should be, um, the issue is how we can be very explicit to the public and say, this is a game which has health or educational benefits is secure in the way that it manages your personal data and equally importantly that users can discern games that don't maybe have this evidence and support 
are the appropriate data security measures. The market is somewhat saturated right now, and it can be, I think, challenging for people to discern good evidence-based and valuable interventions from games that may be relaxing to play, but don't have those same longer-term health benefits. Yeah, so what would you recommend to people wanting to find a good game for their mental health support? So it's a difficult question to answer. Um, I think we maybe need to be mindful that access to technology doesn't necessarily equate to digital literacy as well. So we need to make sure whatever we're recommending is is something that people are comfortable using for health-related purposes and something that they understand how to use, maybe if they're not typically interested in video games as well. And that can be the same for healthcare practitioners. Um, my first answer would always be to look for the evidence. So look for the randomized controlled trials, look at whether the use of a game is supported or not by research, but most importantly, to speak with your healthcare provider or your GP or psychologist, and just to ask any questions if you're unsure. Um, that's not to talk down playing games that maybe you might find really relaxing to play or helpful or stress relieving, um, games that maybe don't have evidence. Interestingly, playing games as a form of relaxation or temporary relief, can be really helpful to some people. Um, it can have some good positive impacts on improving our cognitive and social skills. But if we're talking about using games as a form of mental health intervention, um, one thing I would really recommend is talking with our healthcare professionals. It's absolutely the way forward. Yeah, I suppose that's signposting. So if healthcare professionals themselves know um, are well trusted, because when you're talking about the evidence base again it's around literacy and being able to find that evidence based isn't it so uh, you know if you signpost to a good game that's always a good starting point but like you say you know you might find a game out there that how does lack the evidence and, and hasn't been evaluated but it also does help you in some way uh, which is which is positive so yeah but like but it is, it is difficult with everything in terms of technology now because it is there is the you know the place is saturated and it's difficult to know what's good and what's not sometimes isn't it um so that signposting is important okay so that's all my questions i only had a couple of questions so is there anything else uh, you want to mention about digital health and therapeutic games that we haven't kind of touched upon yet yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting medium because certainly from the research that we've done, even people who who might not be gamers typically and might not be interested in video games, um, from our research, they they tend to enjoy playing the therapeutic or educational games. It might take a little bit more time to to get into and to familiarise yourself with, but it can always be an interesting experience. That that said, if it's not for you, there are plenty other alternatives available. Um, but I think in, in general, in terms of how therapeutic games might be able to support people, we've got a really interesting medium here that could be very accessible, could be a lot of fun, even maybe, even when we're discussing sometimes some very serious, important content. Um, there are a few major areas of consideration, largely for us as academics and researchers and for healthcare providers as well. But if you are interested in digital games, there's a large number of them out there definitely recommend speaking with healthcare professionals as well rather than just gravitating towards the game as the only route of treatment um, but there can be a really good window into what psychological treatment might be might be like might involve and can help to dispel maybe a few myths and concerns yeah and like you say if you know if you are a gamer and you're quite um 
used to these things, then you, it's worth giving things a try, isn't it? And seeing what games kind of are out there and what games suit you. Because it's like everything, some games you find easier. And Because you did some with your PhD, you know, you got young people to test some games, play with some games and see what they liked and didn't like. So it's all about that. It's about preference as well, isn't it? And what, what people uh, want to engage with and what they find easy and, and comfortable with. Sure, I think that's a really important point as well. Is is that you know for us, and this is more something for us to consider, is how we involve potential users of therapeutic mm-hmm. games in their design and in their development to make sure that what ends up in an app store or online or available um, by a UGP maybe in the future is something that people are going to gravitate towards and find really interesting. Yeah, no, that is a good point because um, yeah, for, for developers, they want you know obviously they want people to use the product so they need that user input like you say uh, and and know what people like and don't like with these um what used to be termed serious games but i think people have moved away from that haven't they now so it's not they're not serious games anymore they're kind of therapeutic games and and health related games now that was really interesting and hopefully the listeners found that really useful uh, as a bit of an insight into the games the the games for therapeutic um intervention Anything else, Dean, before we wrap it all? No, just thank you for having me on. No problem. No, it is really interesting. It's a really interesting area. And it's a developing area, isn't it? It's, things are going to change. Like you mentioned VR, uh, there's AI. I, you know, I'm doing some research around AI. The, the technology is always advancing. So we we as, as professionals uh, need to also keep up to speed and understand what technology can and cannot do and uh, think of creative ways of getting involved um, with helping to design technology in a way that it can support people's mental health and well-being uh, and and do some good, basically, can't it? So thank you very much. Thank you.